Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com podcast. All right, let's get started. Ever wondered how developer relations works at scale? In this episode, I talked to Liren Tal of Sneak about how Sneak does developer relations, how they structure the teams, and the fundamental approach they take to developer empathy. What really comes out for me is the fact that Liren has thought deeply about what developers need. And that empathy infuses his team and his approach to developer relations. There's a lot to learn, so let's unpack. Liren, how are you? It is great to have you on the Fireside with VoxGig podcast, talking about developer relations and uh, particularly developer relations from the perspective of security at Sneak. Um, you are a director of uh, developer relations, uh, and we like to talk to people in this podcast, especially who are in leadership roles. Uh, we'll get into all that stuff in a minute. But what I'm in, what I'm intrigued in, is a lot of people we talk to uh, often have quite a history in developer relations. Um, but you seem to have made like a uh, like a jump from engineering to developer advocacy. Uh, when you moved to Sneak, was that a deliberate decision, or was it an opportunity that just happened? How did you end up in this in this game? Yeah, Richard, it's uh, it, it was a leapfrog uh, from the engineering domain. I was uh, previously doing much more uh, hands-on development, uh, team lead, or engineering manager, as uh, it comes to be known these days. Uh, but um, I've also been doing a lot of community experiences and engagement. So I've been part of the Node.js Foundation back then in uh, 2018, 2019, uh, doing a lot of open source, a lot of community engagement too. And I've actually done a lot of public speaking as, as a developer. So I've been doing meetups and those international conference uh, engagements and things like that. So I, while I wasn't uh, directing uh, my career growth to be towards like a developer advocate for the whole developer relations field, did not even know like what DevRel meant back then. Um, but I kind of like did uh, all of those kind of uh, uh, different activities where I was like blogging or writing or teaching or building tools uh, for developers. I kind of like enjoyed all of that. So uh, I knew about Sneak back then. I was actually using Sneak, uh, you know, a few years prior to that. And uh, an opportunity kind of like presented itself was like mostly uh, Node.js and JavaScript, mostly um, open source, and then mostly uh, security centered. So these were very uh, uh, like three uh, points that were uh, very interesting for me to make the jump and consider this in a more uh, serious manner. Uh, and, and then kind of like deciding that this is what I want to do full time. Okay. Okay. So... It's not fair to say that you suddenly jumped. It wasn't like a, a step function, right? A, a discontinuous jump. You had been Correct. doing open source and you had been doing public speaking and you had been doing uh, attending conferences and community stuff. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's the pathway of a lot of people, right? Where they are, their official title is developer of some kind, but they yeah, sign up for, they volunteer for, for the conference talks and that type of stuff. And eventually, actually yeah. you're doing more advocacy than internal development, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I, I think that people ask a lot about how to get into, you know, different roles in tech and uh, specifically with, with DevRel, um, because a lot of it is like very public facing, it's like more, most of it is external facing. You could actually kind of like 
practice the job before before actually taking it right like you could start doing you know start blogging start developing open source projects or joining communities and then you know contributing could start doing public speaking like so many different aspects of you know education enablement um adoption advocacy of you know a specific domain that you like to do and uh, that would be like a very good uh kind of like a litmus test to kind of like feel for yourself are you enjoying it do you want to do it full-time or not are you good at it which parts are you good with and so um you don't need anyone's permission this is like you know especially with open source communities you could do all of that and that would be a really great way to just you know jump and segue into um into those uh, uh developer relations roles um plus get an experience like get really practical experience even if it's not paid you know even if it's you know you're doing public speaking right. as a hobby, that's like a really great way to gain that experience, uh, be, there, um, uh, be there for like, you know, uh, the audience and everyone else and kind of like have a, like a virtual portfolio of your experience with a specific community. Right. And you don't need to start off at uh, big conferences or anything like that, right? You can start off with meetups. 100%. Virtual yes. meetups, uh, you know, give a talk to five people, 10 people. And yeah, start off with your easier, own company. Right? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Uh, so you, you ended up though at kind of uh, I suppose from the perspective of developer advocacy one of the like very senior activities which is participating on an open source foundation board uh, can you tell us a little bit about that how that happened and what it was like and does it give you an, a different perspective on open source um, yeah so specifically, my experience there was um, the recent one we're talking about is the Node.js Foundation. Yes, yeah. Now, now these days it's, it's known as the OpenJS Foundation, which is like an umbrella for Node.js, uh, Express, Fastify, and others. Um, I joined that one uh, uh, kind of like based on my uh, my notion of like wanting to do uh, combine two two aspects that I really like the, the Node.js, the, the JavaScript development, the hands-on things but also the security aspect of it, which is something I've always, you know, since my uh, my young days of, uh, of a teenager, uh, wanting to, uh, you know, uh, spend time on a security space. And so uh, the Node Foundation has made it possible because yeah. the way that the Node's project was, uh, and to this, to, to an extent, somewhat similar these days to like, you know, five or six years after, um, is structured in a way that allows you to to welcome and join different projects. So there's like these things called working groups, which is very familiar with like the way that the CNCF or um, you know other foundations, and they are specifically targeted uh, on a on a very uh, on a very scoped charter. So uh, there's like the what interested me back then was the ecosystem security working group, which worked on. Uh, triaging vulnerabilities, you know, looking at vulnerable code, all of those kind of like aspects of security vulnerabilities in NPM packages, having policies around them, and all of those kind of aspects. And uh, I, I was kind of like made aware of that, of that happening. People saw me, uh, my experience back then uh, in the Node Foundations, uh, sorry, in the Node uh, development space, uh, writing uh, a book about Node security, and was like, hey, you know, maybe you want to join us and like yeah. help, uh, you know, do some of this uh, volunteer work. And uh, I would I would definitely think that joining the Node Foundation had uh, a pivotal impact on my career, both joining uh, the developer relations roles at Sneak, but also fundamentally uh, giving me much uh, you know a much broader perspective 
and uh, and a sort of uh, engagement within the Node project and the open source community as a whole, because it's really facilitated that. And there's like so many ways that uh, that it brought different activities from the code and learn activities uh, for the Node project uh, uh, back then. There was like a whole, you know, five or so years ago, there was like a whole conference um, um, that facilitated like 300 people uh, never touched maybe Node in the past, like the Node core project, uh, yeah. and then compiling these writing tests and actually contributing code to the Node project itself. That's an amazing experience that many developers undergo. And really what made it happen is the people within the Node project itself that were so welcoming and supportive in doing that. Yeah, it's, it, do you think the Node community was unusual in being so welcoming? Um, I don't know if, if unusual is the right word, uh, but I've I've done open source uh, since uh, again since I did, like compiling uh, Linux kernel modules yeah. uh, when I was sixteen. So <laughs> yeah. for several decades at this point, so I've been part of open source communities for a long time, uh, still am, and you know will be because this is kind of like where my passion lies. And I will say uh, that the node the, the node project and the people you know around it are by far the most uh, welcoming and supportive I've seen. Um, you know, as a community, as, as, a, as a general project, the way that it is created, the way that it is managed very uh, transparently, uh, very openly, uh, the, you know, the, the consensus model of making decisions were basically, if you wanna, you know, you could tomorrow morning fire off a PR for the yeah. Node project and it might get in and the, yeah. The only way it won't get in if is if you know basically someone you know uh, says no. But as long as you know everyone is okay with it, um, uh, that's that's fine. And so uh, this uh, consensus seeking model is uh, is a great way to 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 empower developers and you know general contribution. And it has been, I think, uh, a very a very uh, you know build sort of like a building block for creating engagement for the project itself too. Yeah, and, and I mean, talking about what you do now for Sneak, uh, there's kind of a direct line, isn't there? Because I think Sneak was very focused on Node initially, when correct, it was yes, security analysis. I think, I think that was one of that was like a really good strategic decision for Sneak as a focus because yeah. you could leverage that really engaged community. Um, Indeed, the CLI itself was uh, was like an npm package. You install yeah, it, you know, yeah, the npm yeah, install right. minus g thing. Uh, so it started as an as an as a node uh, CLI. It's you know written in JavaScript. Um, it addressed, I think, initially maybe other maybe maybe other languages, but definitely initially much uh, more support and richer support for like the JavaScript ecosystem. So anything from as wild as you know opening fixed PRs, so opening pull requests that update your dependencies that these days are kind of like the de facto like depend bot and other bots do this. But this is kind of like you know the this is where Sneak was pioneering. And was doing the the very first things uh, before before we had npm audit and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So you got you joined when it was still pretty small, right? So, but you joined as a developer advocate right at the start. Right. So that's also unusual for such a small startup to have even have developer advocates as a role. And then Indeed. you got to see it grow, and and now you lead a team, right? Which is, so that story I find really fascinating, right? So on day one. You walk in, developer advocate hat. Uh, was it like okay, 
you know what, Lyra, and just make up the job yourself? Or was there a specific set of, was there specific structures and goals? Uh, um, how, did, how did it go over the years as it grew? Yeah, it's, uh, so it, it definitely unfolded in different ways throughout the years because the company grew it, itself too. So like, we, you know, I joined the room, we were like around 60 people. Yeah. Uh, we grew to like, you know, uh, 1400. So over this, like uh, about five years period of time. So the company changed uh, and we kind of adapted to what it was. So there was a lot of changes uh, all the time. Uh, but yeah, initially uh, it was, uh, so Simon is a Java champion and amazing human being, uh, intelligent uh, developer and developer uh, advocate as well. Uh, he, he was the leader basically of, of DevRel back then. Uh, he was the person who uh, picked me out and uh, uh, suggested I joined, uh, you know, very, uh, in, a, in his own very funny ways to kind of like, uh, make me to think about it. And when I uh, when I did join, when we kind of like met, me and Simon kind of like started brainstorming, you know, kind of like a think tank, you know, what do we want to do? How do we want to do it? Or a lot of uh, planning and, you know, note taking for all of like the brainstorming, the ideas rolling in, uh, figuring out, you know, what are the impacts? Um, we were back then reporting uh, to marketing uh, for a very uh, uh, small amount of time, which for honestly, for a company that small uh, didn't really make uh, you know much yeah. <laughs> you know you know much of a difference. Uh, but we then uh, moved to report to uh, Guy Pojarni, who was our uh, you know CEO back then, um, one of the co-founders too. And uh, it was it, it felt like you are reporting directly to the CEO, right? Like to that's, to that's really and important. Then... <laughs> and, and from all the people that I've spoken to, that seems to be one of the key. Uh, things to make developer relations really effective is that it is its own small department right just like yeah. accounting or some other and it has to go directly to the the ceo and if you're in marketing or engineering you get pulled in the wrong types of directions uh do, do you I think, don't know do you think it has to be i, I don't i don't know no I, I don't i don't think it's a bad thing if you report mm -hmm. to other departments um, we, we, these days we like, we've, we've moved over from, uh, reporting to marketing, to the CEO, uh, to product and so on. So, uh, it, it does change and like the company structure kind of like, you know, dictates a little bit around us. Um, but I think what's the, what's the key aspect here was that, uh, when guy, um, um, and like, he's one of the co-founders and like the three Israeli co-founders were like, uh, founding this, but when guy really. Uh, was uh, uh, he was like the OG DevRel at Sneak, right? Like he was the one, you know, before there were DevRels, he was the one yes. doing, you know, hands-on hacking demos yeah. uh, on stages at uh, at um, at events, right? At at uh, all of those uh, really big events back then, the Node Interactive and all of those kind of names, and he understood, right? Like that's kind of like you didn't need to preach to the CEO or to the marketing or to product, you know, why it is important to like have a DevRel, have a dev advocacy, have an external facing enablement team kind of thing and education because he understood it and actually did it from the get-go. And I think that was the key part. Um, under, like the company understanding the value of DevRel bringing in is, is kind of the key part that you don't have to always kind of justifying uh, um, you know, your existence yeah. exactly every time justify you know why is this important so you, you still kind of like have to you know do things rationally right and whatever data you can show 
um, and collect and whatever, that's always great to have. Also for yourself, so you could, you know, what you don't measure, you don't know. So that's always like an important bit. But from the from the grassroots aspect of it, you know, interacting with developers and sneak being at you know first and foremost, and even to this day, a developer first tool. That is where you kind of like do not need to uh, justify that value and people, the management, the exec get it even up to this day is a very key part of, of developer relations within a company, especially at Snake. Yeah, having founder buy-in, CEO buy-in uh, yep. yeah, is definitely 100% critical. Um, yeah, I'm interested as well, now that, it, now that things have progressed, right? And now, now that you lead a team, of developer advocates, uh, how do you run that team, right? Do you allow certain? Do you expect everybody to be generalists and and produce content and do community stuff and write code, or do you allow people to specialize, or do you deliberately specialize? <laughs> what, like, is there yeah. a community manager who doesn't have to code, right? How do you how do you structure all that stuff? Yeah, it's a uh, again, changed over the years, but essentially, uh, I'll talk about what's now to just to yeah. be current. So DevRel at Sneak right now is is indeed its own department. It's been like that for several years uh, as well. Um, it's structured in a way uh, that the that the DevRel we call it DevRel team because we're like you know one big team, but it's like a department and then there's like sub teams. And these sub teams are basically uh, four sub teams. There's an acceleration team which uh, is in charge of, you know, creating, uh, you know, driving those customer adoptions. So anything from having workshops at customers, uh, you know, giving them lectures and uh, hands-on experiences and running events with the customers and things like that. Um, there's the advocacy team, which is my team, which is mostly about, you know, how do we make uh, Sneak popular for developers and, you know, make security interesting. So it's all about, you know, education and content and enablement. And uh, and of course, you know, hearing feedback and getting feedback and funneling yeah. thus uh, both ideas and feedback for things that probably should be um, you know improved or you know built in a different way maybe. Um, and then there you have the community and an operations team. And uh, I've, I it's interesting maybe to look uh, on some of the, those aspects because uh, I haven't seen much of that in other uh, other departments where uh, where I've talked with friends uh, who do their role. Yeah, this is uh, really community well is very structured, right? It's very, it is. very it's, interesting. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Randall joined, I think, a couple of years back. Uh, uh, Randall Deggs, he came in from uh, from Okta, I think, uh, if I remember correctly. And uh, he had like a ton of experience with this. He's uh, he's been uh, he's been doing DevRelling as well, like officially and unofficially for like a decade or so. So he has a ton of yeah. information. And uh, he got in with a lot of those kind of insights, both of how to do things uh, from a structural perspective, as well as the execution of it. And while you know a community aspect, uh, we do have it. Or there's like a community team who handles the whole community part, which, by the way, is both like, you know, somewhat of a sneak community, but also there's like the DevSecOps community, which is a bigger one. Uh, you know, we want to you know play a big role in the security community so, too. Uh, we we have a, we have a strange connection. Uh, one of my former pre-COVID customers was uh, the DevSecOps conferences. Oh, you okay. guys bought them. You guys yeah, bought yeah, them. that's the right. one. Yep. Uh, but and I was there. Hey, yeah, I've got sneak as a customer. And then, <laughs> and then COVID. <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, unfortunately, yeah, we 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 might have been speaking a lot sooner. Anyway, uh, they they were cool conferences. Actually, they were they were. They, they, uh, yeah, they were, they we were still really do cool. them. Uh, yeah, we're running yeah, them as like chapters worldwide. Uh, DevSecOps chapters, and there's there's like a whole community team. Uh, Sam Heborn, who is like managing. 
you know the community partner is uh, I think just won also a couple of uh, of awards for an amazing community she's been uh, uh, been leading around around this for snake. Um, and then lastly, what I said was that um, the operations team, yeah, which is uh, just like a person uh, very dedicated on um, what I, uh, anything. There's like a lot that goes into operations, but that's basically everything from like project management to internal collaboration and stakeholders. And uh, there's there's like a lot of operations being done within Devrel that we sometimes forget about it. We think it's just like going to conferences or content, but there's like a ton of um, of back and forth uh, operations day to day around metrics, around um, different reporting within the organization, around uh, uh, just like you know putting uh, processes in place and workflows in place for different teams to interact with. So um, there's 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 an, an operations team around this as well. People forget how much work it is to do developer relations, right? So if you are a developer advocate and part of your job is speaking at conferences. When I was doing this, I had a huge big spreadsheet and all of the call for papers that I submitted to, which yep. ones were acceptable, cross-check with marketing to see are they relevant. Um, you know, And sometimes you might like to go to a smaller conference that your friends are going to, <laughs> but you know, it might have a high impact, high quality audience, mm -hmm. but you know, it's only going to be 200 people, but it's still worth going to because because of the high quality yeah. connections. And then you have to justify that to marketing and then who's booking the hotels and the flights and sometimes the conference is paying, sometimes the company has to pay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of <laughs> logistics, lot. right? Um, and people, people kind of forget that. And I think a lot of companies expect developer advocates to just do that themselves. Um, well, yeah, I mean, some of that is kind of like the very, uh, it's like very individual driven. So like if I go to a conference, I would probably handle the, you know, the flights and the booking and the hotel. I wouldn't expect someone else to maybe handle that for me. Um, but there's like so many of the operations that are behind the scenes. Uh, we call some of that uh, automations that we've built here uh, at Snake that need to drive a lot of uh, of that impact. So for example, while I may be handling, you know, personally my uh, my flights and all of the, you know, the, the the individual arrangement for going to a conference, there's like a whole stuff around, you know, once we've been to a conference, there's like a whole uh, imagine kind of like a like a I don't want to call it a supply chain, but imagine like an automate, like a Kanban board, right? You go to a conference. So other people need to know that you're in that conference, probably the marketing exactly. team, maybe the sales team, yeah. um, maybe, you know, ask you, do you want to have a booth or there are customers there that you maybe want to visit? So maybe when you move like the ticket of like, hey, Liran is flying to, you know, the JS Heroes conference in Cluj, uh, that uh, to a board, to like a lane that says, you know, I'm speaking at this conference, it kind of needs to tell a lot of people about uh, you being there. And then when you completed that conference, you, you move this to a different Kanban board that says, you know, uh, repeat or, you know, maybe skip it for next year, right? And so when you say repeat, it needs to go to, to another, uh, you know, uh, like, you know, trigger automations that say, you know, to the marketing team, hey, we need to sponsor and have budget for this conference again next year because this was a really great event. So you can imagine the entire operations being done behind the scenes for when I go to a conference beyond just like the, the usual stuff that DevRel think about themselves. Like, hey, I book a flight and all of those stuff. Like, yeah, that's kind of like very individual driven. That's still like my responsibility as, you know, as a, as a person, you know, going to an event. But behind the scenes, there's like so many things that, um, you know, if you want to make that impact, if you want to work at a scale where your DevRel impact is actually impacting not just the event you're at, but on the company internal side as well, um, then yeah, you have to have those things in place.
And for the folks that are listening, uh, I would say Sneak is one of the leaders at this particular activity. Um, if you look at the DevRel Con uh, 2023 talk in London that uh, your colleagues did. Uh, yep. going Matt and Rendell. Yeah. Uh, going into a deep dive on how you collect metrics and how you use them. Uh, I would say that was one of the most valuable talks of that particular conference. Uh, it's amazing videos, to hear. Thank you. Yeah, I think those those videos are all up now. I think um, I think yeah. I think Matthew uh, Rell put them up. So highly recommended. Um, I was kind of blown away. I um, having done all of this work previously uh, in a much more uh, unstructured fashion, um, <laughs> and we and always wanting a bit more structure. Uh, I was kind of like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. we were so bad we were so bad we could have we could have done it so much better but i mean what, what yeah do you i can do relate you use, do you use like hubspot do you use uh zapier do you use spreadsheets how do you put it all together or is it like custom code um it's uh i want to say all of the above <laughs> okay okay um i, I don't we, we use Zapier not for that for some other things but um uh, it's it's definitely it's some stuff starts with just spreadsheet for like you know brainstorming things so like what would be so like let's talk let's bring this down to earth like what do we what do we measure right um so probably a lot of things but maybe i'll pick a few examples so one of the things we do measure is content we want to understand the content that we're putting out and um the very things that you can measure around content right like the the page views the sessions all of those kind of things uh but the way that we measure that is is not just for like the Google Analytics or those kind of, of metrics, but we also want to see that um, we want to see like uh, different aspects of it, not just like when it's generated, but like what's in the queue to get published this month, which you don't have from Google Analytics because you haven't like written it's that. You haven't like, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not yet out there. But there's like a lot of metrics that are like surrounding the content, but they're not always specifically that. So um, also you maybe want to uh, fragment this. Like you want to say, hey, I'm putting a lot of like JavaScript content, um, maybe not enough of, uh, I don't know, Python or cloud native because, you know, Sneak uh, secures your containers and Kubernetes instances and whatever. So maybe you're like not writing uh, enough about this domain and you need to educate and create an awareness for security for, you know, Kubernetes operators and things like that. Um, so there's like a lot of metrics around the scenes that are not, they're like tied to content. But when you say, you know, let's measure content, people directly jump to, okay, so how many page views yeah. or sessions? But it's not just that; it's everything around it that's kind of like the enablement of it, and like, are you are you growing where you should, and like, how do you measure all of those things? So, uh, you know, Matt's team, like, you know, he's like leading the community in operations, and he's been doing a lot of those charting. So, a lot of the inputs from uh, that talk that you just mentioned in uh, in the conference was indeed uh, relating to that. Uh, but there's also a lot of other measures that we uh, that we kind of do. We have even on content, we've kind of like. Um, this is based on a lot of like Randall's insights on reverse engineering uh, a content impact. So we work uh, with, uh, we worked very closely with our marketing friends uh, and specifically our SEO uh, people there, uh, you know, uh, Anna back then and uh, these days Ben, and they've been uh, uh, amazingly, you know, helpful in like letting us know how to drive content so that it actually like, you know, people read it, right? Like it need, need people need to like land on this content when they Google or whatever. So uh, there's like a lot of SEO impact today. So how do we do keyword search? How do we translate back uh, expected, you know, keywords volume of like, you know, 300 clicks to whatever we want to write about? 
And it's it's not about like writing to whatever gives you the, the you know the best keyword search because you know you could like write you know if you Google Java the keyword searches the keyword volume is like you know yeah. seventy thousand but you don't write like Java you write you know more specific stuff so it's it's more about you know the fact that when you know how to use you know how you know these tools exist right that the, the this SEO box you kind of like know how to use you know whatever you want to write about like you know how to secure. Uh, how to write secure code in Java that you don't get, you know, I don't know, serialized uh, RRCEs, you know, remote code executions. And like, this is what I want to write as a Java developer, uh, but I want to I wanna know how to fine tune it. So it gets onto like, you know, the first page of Google or things like that. There's like GTM, which is, you know, how do you get the more the content out there, right? Like go to market. So how do you get the, the blog post out? So you need to like, you know, post it maybe to Reddit, to change log to different, you know, uh, hacker news, different like blogs or whatever, yeah. dev that too, daily dev, all of those things. But it's like a whole, this is whole operations around this and metrics kind of help support so, all of that. Liran, do you, do, I mean, do you, that, that, I mean, and that's a lot of focused activity. So do you feel uh, that you guys have to do that just for your own engagement or do you feel you have to do it because the competition is doing it and you need to which part it's like the measurements yeah and all of these operational activities right um mm. do you feel that your competition is doing the same so that you have to you have to keep pace with them or do you feel that this is something that sneak does just as part of what sneak does I think it's more of the latter. Like I, yeah. I think we we look less at uh, at at competitors in like a direct way of like let's see what they do or like let's keep up. Uh, it's not. I I don't think I've like uh, actively done that in a in a long while unless I I was looking for specific insights. But it's more about like we want to understand you know how to do things well. So we search we research them right. We understand you know SEO impact and then gotcha. we put okay. you know processes and metrics around it. Uh, even about the GTM part, which you mentioned, and like all that talk about like, you know, all the measurements and the metrics. So for example, one of the things that we look at uh, related to GTM is like when we put a blog post out, so let's say we, you know, let, you know, web dev, I'm writing now something about, you know, dev containers and Deno and GitHub got spaces. And when I push it out, um, one of the first things uh, we might be looking at is uh, will GTM it, will share it with, you know, communities. And, you know, the first week or, or the first two weeks, how many clicks and, you know, pages and sessions did it get? So that very first, um, um, you know, kind of like the time that it goes out is very important to like rank it properly and Google to understand it. And we understand kind of like what to do with those things. And we regularly look at things like, you know, what content is best performing, what is not, what can we update and refresh? And so there's a lot of like internal um, learning and understanding and getting the insights that is, you know, happening very much, you know, on a regular basis rather than looking at competition, uh, comp competitions okay. or competitors yeah. and what they do. So that's like a very, uh, we don't, I don't yeah. know, we don't do that as a, as a, as an active manner. Yeah, you don't, you don't like, you don't feel that uh, there's only a, you know, a finite number of eyeballs and you capture as many uh, <laughs> like you're like you're selling vacuum cleaners or something, right? It's this yeah, is about no, understanding no. <laughs> the community. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it's really really interesting, and I'll just I'll just repeat again. Go yep. go look at that that DevRelCon talk because it's 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 it, revelatory. I would say is the good word. Uh, I I'm gonna ask a final question, Liran, because we're, we're mm -hmm. coming up on time. Um, maybe a bit more more personal. So, you've been you've been doing developer advocacy since before Sneak, and now you've been doing it in Sneak for five six years. Mm -hmm. uh, you're doing it in a leadership role. Uh, how do you feel about developer relations as a career pathway 
because there have been some people this year, especially who've expressed a little bit of concern about uh, where do you go in DevRel, right? If you're an engineer, mm. you can become a staff engineer and this type of stuff, but yeah, or maybe, maybe a project manager and then a director of engineering or whatever. Uh, a lot of people I've spoken to about developer relations, of course, say that they have a passion for it anyway, uh, which is a good mm -hmm. reason to do it, right? <laughs> you got to love your job. Yep. But <laughs> I suppose be let's be a little bit more clinical maybe and just think about mm -hmm. it in the wider context of technology careers. How do you feel about it as a career pathway? Um, so I guess there's like two, maybe two questions or two ways to break this down. Then that is, you know, how is it as a, as a, as a career adjacent? Like, how do you, how do you, yeah. is that a whole career? And, you know, whether, you know, whether you could jump from that back to maybe other roles, right. which is, which is also an interesting question. It's like, if you maxed out several, like, okay, you've done this, what would you jump to? Would you, I've seen some yeah, people all, like all jump to product. <laughs> all achievement exactly. badges. Right. <laughs> yeah, we all collect badges and, and stores. Yeah. Um, so so let's break this down a bit, I guess. And uh, I think so. Within Devrel, uh, it's it's been always hard to figure out, you know, the kind of like the the career ladder within developer relations because that's not as standard that it is with, like you said, you know, engineering or or management positions. Uh, but I I think Randall has done a really good job, uh, you know, a couple of years back to um to create that. So like, and it it very much relates to how you look at you know engineering. So. You know, maybe maybe like I don't know, an associate developer advocate, if you want to call it like that. For example, um, there's like a very uh, you know, this if you, you know that being like the the very first thing maybe you uh, the the opening role for the the position is uh, the impact right is is a bit uh, is a bit uh, contained right is much smaller. Uh, the way that you would maybe interact with other teams around Devrel is you know be like beyond Devrel in in the organization is you know not that high. Uh, it's 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 more about learning and you know understanding, and as you move towards uh, and you asked me you know before about you know do we have like more generalists or more specialists? So most of the team at Snake is like very senior uh, people in in several specific that I'm referring to, and so they are very well um, uh, kind of like knowledgeable or able to run you know with with initiatives and with responsibilities. And so that career ladder kind of like translates that, like what is the what is the impact part? What is your um, uh, it's uh, I don't know to which extent we could share some of those things, but there's like several categories, right? About you know the technology uh, savvy that you are, like how well do you know maybe the product itself? Um, how well are you able to like build? You know how uh, how uh, how experienced you know or you have skills to build new demos for for the team or you know for presentations? So like. Uh, you know what at first maybe you don't have those expertise but maybe like you know a year later you actually build that up and you are a very much uh, um, um, a subject matter expert on a specific security uh, um, aspect so you can actually build those demos build that education part and so there's like there's like several categories around the impact you make around the tech savvy that you are around the product perspective around communication skills all of those things that uh, translate, you know, to like uh, steps up and up and up the career ladder of developer relations. And that's kind of like how you step up from, you know, a dev advocate to a senior dev advocate, principal dev advocate, and all, all of those things. Yeah, I mean, and and ultimately, I mean, you could look at, say, uh, I don't know, the like the CTO of, of Amazon, right, who is mm -hmm. ultimately just a developer advocate at the end of the day, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, that's, all he, that's all he does, right? So I think, 
I think this is a good career pathway. Uh, I, I'm I'm certainly very happy with it. I, I hope you're happy with it. Uh, as yeah, I'm enjoying it. Choice. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think one of the important bits to uh, uh, one of the things I probably continuously uh, said for the last you know very uh, uh, very in a very uh, um, uh, consistent manner when I talk to new joiners at Snake um, is uh, I pretty much repeat the same thing, which is uh, for me, I've like never had a dull moment at Snake. So it's always kept me uh, very interesting uh, in an interesting state of everything that I worked out through. I've done everything from like, you know, being uh, hands-on with writing code examples to, you know, researching security issues to writing uh, different sort of publications where like security cheat sheets or report or speaking at you know conferences it all uh, right now we're doing a lot of around AI so it's always got me you know um, you know on my toes like you know on the bleeding edge of stuff and like always you know never a dull moment um, and I think uh, if you enjoy you know doing it and that's basically what you love you know that's a that's a very uh, good test to you know to know if you're like at a at a really good spot, uh, I guess, in your career, enjoying what you do, what you're building. Um, yeah, maybe, it's, it's uh, always, it always gives you a chance to to play with the new stuff. I am going mm -hmm. to have to wrap it up there, Liran. Thank you yeah. so much for being a guest. I would encourage you and Sneak to uh, do more talks about how you guys <laughs> operate and what you guys do, because... Um, well, there. Complete, com you know, just... Compared to a lot of other people, uh, I, I feel you guys have really kind of nailed it operationally, and it's it's really fascinating. Um, and thank it's you also. You were you spoke at the uh, DevRel meetup earlier this year. I hope we'll have Thanks you for a colleague me. on next year, maybe to talk about some of this operational stuff. That will be awesome. But thank you so much for today. Uh, it was really a pleasure to talk and uh, really, Thanks, Richard. really, really interesting stuff. Uh, thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgig.com podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgig.com newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgig. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.